Welcome to this week's edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm joined by a, a returning to Toronto, uh, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, who is quarantined and not able to leave his, uh, his not, not just his building, but his actual unit. He can't go and uh, take his garbage yeah. out, can't go to the lobby. They're, they're, really, uh, they're really cracking down because uh, the numbers are obviously up here in Toronto. Yeah, they're definitely tracking me somehow. They got something on me, but yeah, I'm staying here. It seems like all I've been doing is quarantine, from quarantining in Vegas to quarantining here. Um, it's definitely a life of quarantine. But uh, I don't know. I said that rant to you last time on last show. I mean, I think a lot of these guys who are coming in, like, the, you know, the Malcolm Gordons, who's only fought in this quarantine period, man, it really is a different vibe. Like, I remember going to the corners with Antonio, Carvalho, Mitch, Gagnon, and just seeing people wanting pictures and autographs and signings and needing to take different elevators, you know, to stay away from people and just the excitement of fight week. This fight week, I was literally felt like I was hiding in a hotel. The fact that I got to wave to Derek Lewis and, you know, from a distance was my highlight. You know, so it's it was ridiculous. I think these guys are getting robbed from that real UFC experience, that that attention, that, you know, to feel like that superstar. And it's literally felt like I've been hiding, you know, this last two weeks. Well, I've got a tip for you. There's this great YouTube channel called Joseph Valtellini. He'll teach you some great striking fundamentals if you need some. Uh, yeah. Video. Oh, yeah. My new video just posted yesterday. It's one of my best ones. I talk about five things I wish I did earlier on in my career. Oh, that's cool. or, or that I knew, too. So it was a good concept, and people seem to be liking it. It's got one of my best views uh, within the first 24 hours. So keep watching it. And I'm almost at 50K subscribers. So... That's it. Everyone listening should be following anyways. All right, well, almost why don't I use my care. social media to try to help you on that push? To yeah, I hope so, yeah. It's oh, almost, I, I think I'm like that. 20 I mean, you, away now. You take, time to join me. you take your time yeah. to join me every week, so I may as well uh, give back. All right, I'm into it. Well, we have some breaking news off the top uh, via Mark Raimondi of ESPN. Yair Rodriguez has been suspended for six months. Uh, I guess it's uh, retroactive to about three months ago for um, a violation of a third, I guess a third violation of um, not being available for USADA. He, you know, they, they were, you have to, a whereabouts violation, that's what it's called. It's a whereabouts violation. You need to tell USADA where you are at all times. And if they come to test you and you're not there, uh, that is one strike out of three that you get per year uh, for your whereabouts. So Yair Rodriguez, unavailable on three separate occasions. So he is now suspended for six months. The, the weird thing about that to me is like, if they knew this was going on three months ago, like, why did that fight with with Zabit get booked? Or did it just never get officially... I don't think maybe it was just never officially announced. But uh, it seems like everybody's going to kill this guy. Like, everybody wants to pile on Yair Rodriguez. Whenever a fight with Zabit doesn't happen, it seems to be his doing. And uh, I think they're going to they're gonna come after this guy in terms of the, uh, the, the keyboard warriors. The keyboard warrior army is uh, deploying on uh, Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, they're definitely going after him. But, I mean, there's got to be something bigger going on. I mean, you're, you've reached the pinnacle of the sport. It's probably, for him to be doing it, I'm sure it's one of his dreams. And, I mean, there's got to be something going on. If, if you're at that level and you're not wanting to compete at that time, I mean, we hope everything's, you know, healthy with him. But there's got to be a bigger something going on at that time. As a fighter, you don't just not take fights or not want to fight getting to the pinnacle. So, um, hopefully, he's all right. I'm sure as time goes on, we'll probably find more info what's happening. But... I mean, at this day and age, you just got to hope that mental health, maybe, or whatever's going on in his life, he's all right. I'm going to uh, pull up his, uh, his record because I'm trying to think of how many times he's actually fought since he was brought back to the UFC. If, you know, people might recall, he was actually released for uh, saying he wouldn't fight Zabit or that there was no fight booked to Zabit. He called it fake news, and the Dana White basically cut him. So um, 
He yeah, and then he came when then he had the zombie fight. Was that uh, was so, that after he came back or before the? Okay, so the here's the, here's the track record. So so uh, I think after he came back, so November 2018. So he he didn't fight between May 13th, 2017, and November 10th, 2018. A year and a half during that span, that's when he got released and then subsequently brought back to the UFC. That he had that crazy highlight reel knockout over Zombie, which uh, is two years old now. It's amazing that that was two years ago. Wow. And then. Um, the no contest accidental eye poke against Jeremy Stevens 15 seconds into the fight in Mexico. Everybody's cheering for this oh. guy. 15 seconds into the fight, yeah. Stevens can't continue due to the eye poke. It's uh, deemed a no contest. And then, uh, of course, after that, he fought Stevens again in Boston uh, about a month later and and won a unanimous decision. So he's basically 2-0 and with one no contest since uh, coming back to the UFC. He's been booked to fight Zabit on several occasions, and it seems seemingly keeps falling through on his end. So um, he hasn't fought in all of 2020, and uh, he will be eligible to return in March of 2021. Yeah, I totally forgot about that little Jeremy Stevens eye poke situation. Hmm. But yeah, let's see. Let's. I mean, such a good talent not to be fighting. That's all I can say. You know, just uh, hopefully he's good, and let's see him fight because obviously when he fights, they're exciting. It, he's a he's a top prospect, so let's see him go. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm eager to see what Yair Rodriguez can do uh, against the beat. I think that's a great matchup. Uh, like I think there's a reason to keep booking that fight because stylistically, it's a really fun fight, and I, I just feel bad for Zabit, Really, like I don't feel I can't say I feel too bad for Yair Rodriguez here. I mean, fill out your whereabouts on your on on the it's it's an app on your phone, right? Like you just you just fill it out. It, t- it takes two seconds to to miss out on that three times during a year. Like when they suspended Nick Diaz for not being available three times in a year, like the guy's not active. This guy's an active fighter, right? So, you know, I, I it's tough because you look at Zabit's track record. He hasn't fought in 2020 either. Fought twice in 2019, but. Uh, yeah, hasn't fought in 2020, and this guy was, you know, one step away from being the top contender at featherweight. Now he's becoming almost an afterthought because of this. But it's usually the situation where if one fight doesn't go through, there's someone, you know, ready to go behind that. But with the Zabit fight, it doesn't seem to be the situation. Well, they got to book him a new opponent. Get... They, they got to I mean, stop being hung up on you. Exactly. I mean, at this point, they've tried multiple times. Zabit's got to keep moving. He's got to keep moving. And there are so many worthy. 145ers out there that you can book this guy against. Like, I just don't, I, I don't know why they can't sort it out. Like, they, just give him a different opponent. You can give him another top guy at featherweight. I mean, like a Brian Ortega now could be fun. Yeah, although Ortega's next in line for the title, right? I don't think he's going to risk that. Maybe the zombie. Like, Korean zombie, to me, would be my top option for Zabit. I think he actually called out Zabit recently as well. And uh, that would be a that fun fight. would be fight. a dangerous fight. Oh, I mean, Dangerous for sure. I Dangerous think, for both. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think Zabit has a little bit of an edge, but uh, crazy fight regardless. It's amazing that Zabit's turning Nuts. thirty in March. Like he's, you know, it seems like much of his time in the UFC has been like just not being able to get fights, fights falling out. He's been in the UFC for three plus years now. It doesn't even seem like it. Yeah, but nothing gets me more excited than that Kelvin Cater Max Holloway. That's a that fun division. one. Nothing gets me more excited than that, obviously. So I'm pumped for that one. Have you spoken to Calvin about uh, maybe helping out with that camp in some way? Uh, it's just the timing. I talked to uh, Tyson and uh, the other day, so I'm going to start looking at some Max Holloway footage in the next little bit to kind of give some of my insights uh, towards the guys there. And, uh, yeah, it just sucks that we can't go. I'll be going to New Jersey soon. Uh, I was thinking about maybe even popping by there because uh, since I'm in Jersey calling the, the glory fight, 
Maybe it's a time I can pop by Boston or something quick there. But who knows? I know they want to keep their camp really small, keep the uh, keep the virus to a minimum within because the, they got two big fights on their team with Marlon Marais against Rob Font too. I guess they want to keep that camp as as tight as possible. But nothing in the works. But I just hope. I mean, this lifts so I can eventually start training with the guys more. Yeah, and congrats to Parker Porter this past weekend. I think he trains with Chardier as well. Uh, yeah. And he uh, he got a nice win over the course of the weekend against uh, Josh Parisian uh, in a heavy a heavyweight fight that went up against another heavyweight fight, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Did you get a chance to watch that? I did. I mean, it was a little laggy because the internet was pretty bad at the hotel there. But yeah, I thought it was good for what it was. To be honest with you, I'm not gonna say that I had the expectations of knockouts, but it kind of exceeded my expectations to see these guys at that age move the way they did. I feel the same way. I, I was expecting very little, and I was expecting to be sad at the end, too. You know, when you see kind of older guys fight, it reminds you of your own mortality. But uh, it's, it seems like they were in so, – I mean, Tyson for sure was in great shape. I liked how Tyson said afterwards when they were like, what are you worried about him for? I haven't fought in like 16 years. He's like been active. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. true. But uh, that, was, uh, that was interesting to watch. I feel bad for anybody who bet on Mike Tyson because it was, it was deemed a draw in a fight that Tyson like quite clearly won. Yeah, but I, I assumed it was going to be a draw, to be honest. If it's an exhibition and there's no knockouts, I'm pretty sure I came out and I was saying, it was like, it's going to be a draw before it happened. I just assumed that um, that was the case. So I, I don't know why people got so upset about it. Yeah, I said the same I thing. Mean, but why have judges? If it's going to be a draw regardless, like why even pretend that you're doing something? Like they were pretending that there was going to be a, uh, a decision rendered, right? Like yeah. why pretend? Just just tell people what, what they're getting and, and roll with it that way. But uh, I... Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool to watch, and uh, it looks like Snoop Dogg is now kind of diving in with two feet. He wants to do eight events a year that are kind of like a mix of kind of legends, uh, hip-hop, entertainers uh, that are going to try boxing. You know, like, it's fun. Whatever. I, I have no issue with with this. I, I think I think a lot of people in the boxing community are probably a, a little bit annoyed that there are going to be pay-per-views, you know, featuring like boxing legends that are going to do better than like Errol Spence fights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That, can't, that can't sit well with them, but at the same time, like, you know, it still does. I wouldn't say it necessarily brings a new audience to boxing, but it certainly gets more eyes on the sport. You know, like it gets more people to watch boxing and, and see what boxing's all about at the very least. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, these guys, one, it opened an avenue for, you know, boxers who retired to still make a good income. Uh, to still have an opportunity to shine. I mean, to stay in shape. Mike Tyson had to get in some good shape for that. The way he was moving his head and ripping those body shots. And you can see, like, it was riding a bike for him. Like, it, it was just natural for him to be in there. I think Roy Jones tied him up a little too much. But, I mean, regardless, I mean, look what they did. Look how much money they made. If anything, it's a positive thing for the boxing community. There's, an, there's a way for guys now to make more money. Yeah, it's a home run really for everybody. They said it sold a million pay-per-views. So uh, Triller, this new app that I, I had never heard of, that gets a ton of name recognition and a ton of eyeballs on, on it, brand recognition. So they win. Tyson and Roy Jones apparently made a ton of money. Jake Paul and uh, and uh, Nate Robinson made a bunch of money. And Jake Paul looks like he's going to get more boxing matches out of this. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of a win-win for everybody. I mean, maybe not for Nate Robinson, who ended up getting face-planted in that fight. But uh, I think for the most part, people won. Everyone won. Yeah, that's 
that's where my that's where my big issue is and i know i've talked about it a lot but i'll repeat it again my problem is when you get the fights like nate robinson he's not a fighter let's let's understand that and he doesn't know how to protect himself he doesn't know how to brace himself to take a shot so when he does get hit now like what was the purpose yes you got paid well but there's some brain damage there not only did you the fight one should have been probably stopped off that first knockdown he was not okay and the ref's like okay come on are you all right like he obviously didn't want to continue the way he was moving in his walk. And then he'd get knocked out and hit again. So the poor guy, yeah, I'm glad you made a lot of money. He made more money than probably most of the people I know in the sport, uh, you know, times 10. So you made your money, but it's dangerous. It's a dangerous sport. And I know the narrative of the broadcast was that too. But you need to be careful with these headshots and thinking that, hey, it's not just cool to jump in there and start swinging and get it knocked out. That's where I don't want to make it a cool thing for people to, to think that it's all right. Yeah. That's my only concern. It's kind of like it's going to be celebrity boxing. Like what Mike, Tyson, well, sorry, what Snoop Dogg is going to be doing is going to have some sense of that. You're going to have people, you're going to have people performing in terms of actual music, but you're also going to have entertainers trying their hand at boxing, which is, uh, I think people want to tune in to see that because it kind of has a circus element. Do you, do you remember yeah. the celebrity boxing series with like China boxing Joey Buttafuoco and like uh, Refrigerator Perry against Manute Bull back in the day? Like people watched that. It, yeah. it was terrible well, boxing. Yeah, I just. I think of anything the Jake Paul fight should have been the exhibition fight. You got two guys who know how to box. At least if they get hit or they get hurt, they know how to defend themselves. You know, Robinson's defense to getting knocked out was running with his face, you know, first and then got caught even worse because he was just trying to run in instead of learning how to parry a shot, move his head, move his feet. He got hurt worse because he didn't know how to box. So that should have been the exhibition in my eyes. That's These two big boys who know how to box. They know how to move their feet. They know how to catch and defend punches. Nate Robinson does not know how to do that. Yeah, Nate Robinson should have, should have gotten on the uh, Joseph Veltolini YouTube channel. Please subscribe now and get yeah, 50, absolutely. Subscribers. Do it again. We're there. <laughs> so uh, this past weekend in the UFC, Anthony Smith uh, showing that he's not done. You know, I think a lot of people wrote him off going into that particular fight, and uh, I, I think that a lot of people thought he was done, and he showed that he is a level above someone like clark and yeah, uh, i don't know why though why why is he getting that type of reputation i think he's could easily be fighting for a title easily yeah yeah i'm with you i think that uh mm. that he's he's definitely a top 10 guy in, the, in that division at, you know at the very least and i think that devin devin clark was a big step down for him but i think it's kind of what he needed he needed to get himself back to mentally knowing that he was as good as some of these top guys and that you know he's he's not done he he doesn't um you know he he's he's going to be able to compete with the best guys in the division uh but i think he did need that confidence boost yeah i mean if you look at the way even tiago santos looked his last fight you never know that that could easily be a, a winnable fight for anthony smith and next thing you know he's in the top of the division yeah uh tiago santos does have something lined up um I think he is facing Alexander Rokic. Nice. And, uh, I like Rokic. And Dominic Reyes is fighting Yuri Prohaska. Unless I'm getting that confused. But I think that's what the, the two fights are. I, I remember there was like some... Those four guys are paired up <laughs> with, with somebody. But I think that's pretty much what it is. So uh, those, are, those are two very exciting fights in the light heavyweight division. Um, anything else really of, of note stand out to you on this card? I mean, we should talk a little bit about Malcolm. What, what, uh, yeah. How's he feeling? What, what's, the, what's the vibe around him right now? Well, I mean, it's it's a lot of we didn't get the best two fights for us, and I mean, we I knew going in. I mean, I didn't 
say it too much because in a camp you need to develop confidence. But I knew uh, Sue Mudarji there was a, a really good fighter. And to be a southpaw that moves the way he does, to be 24 years old, the sniper of a striker is, I knew it was going to be a tough fight. I mean, I did, you know, fully trust in our ability to be able to close the distance, you know, where – you know, to be able to wear him out against the cage, take him down, which was obviously the game plan. But with something like that, it's, I mean, he's been getting a lot of criticism. People saying, well, you should have grappled. And I said, yeah, but it's, it's a lot easier said than done when someone's at maximum power, known for their first round knockout abilities. You, you know, he needed a little bit more patience. But uh, yeah, that laser left hand caught us. And, you know, being the grappler Malcolm is and still needing to press the distance, we kept getting caught again. And Mudarji was a good fighter to know he he had to put the pressure and finish. So, I mean, he did what it was. Very respectful fighter, you know, apologized and, you know, you know, for his his knockout. And I just think it's a lot of disappointment in Malcolm. We did everything possible. We did our – he was bigger, stronger, better grappling. You know, his striking improved. Uh, our imbalances in the weight room were, were perfected. Our, our imbalances and, and injuries got recovered. So we were there. It's just a matter of getting caught. And Sumadarji, you know, being a lethal striker like we expected. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, grappling against a guy is easier said than done, especially a guy like Maderji who's long and has a, a really strong yeah. step-in uppercut. Like, he's the guy's got a lot of weapons that can stifle grappling, and I think that that's, of course, like you said, it's easier said than done, and I, I don't think Malcolm's used to facing guys that are bigger than him. Yeah, and which is weird because, you know, we, we always thought Malcolm was going to be a, a big guy for the flyweight division. You got to remember, our first fight, you know, we went in with one week training in a weight class above. I mean, we even saw El Bazi, and El Bazi was telling us he was about 160 in the ring when we fought him. You know, he could barely make weight. He was back up to 160 pounds. Malcolm was 142 pounds when we fought him. So, I mean, on one week training. So, I mean, that was. And then we fight this up and coming kid who's uh, opposite style of Malcolm. So, it was either. You know, Malcolm had trouble getting in, or when Malcolm got in, he was going to have the trouble. So, I mean, it was a, a fight of styles, and, you know, that night, his style won. Well, I'm hoping Malcolm does get another opportunity in the UFC. I mean, the flyweight division certainly needs as many fighters as they can get. Um, there's a guy, actually, that I think Malcolm would have an interesting fight against fighting this weekend, and Jimmy Flick. Jimmy Flick's a fantastic grappler, has a lot of weapons, and I think that that would be a, a solid matchup for, for Malcolm. It's all about matchups. I, I You know, in the UFC... Sometimes you just get matched up against somebody who just stylistically isn't a great matchup. Yeah, and and I I try to tell people that this, this flyweight division it's not like the other divisions. Like you see a lot of guys who come in from the contender series, and you're like, these guys are such a low level, four and zero, five and zero, seven and one. They're like there's these small record guys, but in the flyweight division, like the earliest guy is twelve and four. They have sixteen, seventeen fights. There's only I think twenty two or twenty three in a division. So you got the best fighters in the world in that division. I mean, in a lot of the other division, there's more guys, more lower level opportunities and time to build. But I can guarantee you, Albazi as well as Sumaderji, you're going to see them within the top ten in that flyweight division very soon yeah so, i don't know I mean, if albazi is going to go back to flyweight would you do you think he's did he tell you that that's his plan when you saw him i don't know he looked pretty small there i thought this fight was uh planned for flyweight i'm not too sure no, i think albazi's fight was a bantamweight fight okay yeah not too sure but regardless i think he's talented in the way his grappling and how young he is so it's going to be a tough for anyone so there's no easy fights in this flyweight division. The The positive side is you win two, three times, and next thing you know, you're fighting Figueredo, which is very scary. I don't know how much, 
you know, many people want to do that right now, but it, it's quick to go up, but it's quick. It's, you're also not giving these easy fights to be able to bounce back off. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to patiently wait, hopefully keep training, getting better. And hopefully we have that other shot. Any uh, interesting stories uh, from, from your time there? Nothing, nothing. I'm telling you, we're like, like I was hiding. The, the cool thing was, and uh, I mean, which was probably one of the highlights. Um, I mentioned I got to train with Pettis, but during the, uh, the hotel time, uh, I got to connect with James Krause. We finally got to do a workout together and train. Got to hold some pads for him. Got to do a little bit of touch sparring. Showed him some of my drills. He was able to pass off some of his knowledge. So it was fun. I mean, that guy, and I, I told him, I said, he should almost be one of these guys that we're nominating for coach of the year. Like, he's literally told me he's going to be in uh, Abu Dhabi for a whole month. He's got fighters fighting every week. He's fighting himself. Like, that's an employee to the UFC. Like, he's putting on good fights. He's winning and coaching every other week, every weekend, basically. So, I mean, I a lot of credit for him. I really respect that man and what he's uh, done for the UFC and the sport. And uh, I don't know if it was seen on TV uh, up here in Canada, but uh, when I was watching the feed, his corner advice to Gina Mazzani was spectacular. Like, he's, he's fantastic oh, yeah. in the corner. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have his champions yet, but look look what he's doing. Like, 34 years old. I mean, he's he's probably coaching as much as the biggest guys in the sport. Like, the guys who you probably see the most coaching in the UFC lately has been, like, Mark Montoya's. You know, you have uh, Sanford MMA and Hoops. But even that, I bet you we're seeing more James Krause than we're seeing in some of the big gems. And James works with a lot of the guys from uh, with Montoya, so you know he's getting getting reps there as well. So uh, yeah, I, I think that he certainly is one of the top up and coming coaches. He's also a great uh, if you need investment advice. He's he's very good at investing yeah. in properties and uh, and and making. He, he's told me before, like you know that for him to step in on short notice for seventy five thousand dollars, he says like I, I'll turn that seventy five thousand into two hundred thousand. Like so, what you know that. He's happy that he's now making a, a a better wage as a fighter as a result of that. Yeah, and he's got a, a successful gym at Glory MMA, and he has a promotion that I believe just got signed on to UFC Fight Pass. So, I mean, just all around building the sport, you know, getting guys into the UFC, coaching and building his career. And it's not like it's affecting his career either. I mean, he's still fighting and doing really well. So, I mean, it's not like a lot of guys we see who get too much in the coaching role end up, you know, suffering in their own careers, but not in the case of uh, Mr. James Krause. So, good job on him. So, this weekend, uh, Jack Ermansson, he told me that's how you pronounce it in his native Sweden, taking on uh, Marvin Vittori. Um, if you have not yet listened to the uh, TSN MMA show interview edition, I spoke to both uh, Ermansson and uh, Vittori, as well as Kayla Harrison and uh, Jay Collier, who fights on the card. So uh, please feel free to check that out. Uh, what are your thoughts on that main event? Um, Vittori the favorite, which surprised me because uh, Ermansson's uh, higher ranked and he was favored against both Darren Till and Kevin Holland. And now he's got a short notice opponent who's favored over him. I just think at this point, it's just making the fight for him. I feel he just wants to fight. I mean, with all the, the switches and opponents, uh, got to really hurt him. But I think he's just prepared. He's trusting his grappling, but Vittori is a tough guy. I mean, you have to think he pretty sure it was a split decision. He took Israel Adesanya to, um, he, he's going to be able to come forward, but it's all about, can he defend the submissions? Let's see what he can do. But I mean, I think Vittori, regardless if, uh, you know, he's, he's a scrapper and he brings the fight and very hard and difficult to put out. So I think he'll, he'll bring the fight and bring a good show. Yeah. I, I mean, he'll walk forward. And uh, he will, 
uh, try to pressure Jack Ermanson and uh, I, I, I'm really looking forward to this one. This is just a really interesting stylistic matchup because they're so different stylistically, uh, but both so, such dangerous fighters, which is what I like about it. Yeah. What and do I, you think? Uh, sorry, with how is... Uh, I can't say his name now. I was you can just say, say Hermanson. Hermanson. That's fine. That's how everybody... He Herman. says he's fine with everybody pronouncing it Hermanson. Well, I just asked him beforehand how, how, how it's pronounced in Sweden. He's not asking <laughs> people would... to call him Ermanson. No, too weird now. You can't change it. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, how do you think he'll do on the feet? Have we seen much from him on the feet? To, um, yeah, he's to quite good a, on the feet. He's, he's not just a ground fighter. I think that he's somebody who uh, does have solid stand-up skills. I, I wouldn't put him up there with Vittori, but I think that you know, as soon as this gets into sort of any grappling exchanges, exchanges, that's when uh, Ermanson's going to have an advantage. But he also, I don't think he's going to be a fish out of water on the feet for sure against Vittori. And Vittori, you know, I asked uh, Jack about. Whether he thinks Vittori is similar to the last guy he lost to, which is Jared Cannonier, and he said he doesn't think that Vittori has the same explosiveness. He says, you know, Vittori's more of a pressure fighter, but he's not like he's not quite as powerful or athletic as Cannonier. So he he doesn't think that they're that similar. But I, I do see some similarities there. Yeah, and Jack just seems like a nice, pleasant guy too. He is. I mean, and when I I saw him in Abu Dhabi when he was fighting Gaslam, and just always positive, always smiley, not intimidating. Just uh, seems like a nice, positive dude. I asked him to smile when he stood up, when he faced off against uh, Marvin Vittori this week because Vittori's like the angriest looking guy on the planet. <laughs> and yeah. Jack is always smiling. And Jack was like, was oh, when I stand up against people, I don't like to give off that vibe. I like to, to be serious. And he's like, but I'll think about it. What was Vittori's? Uh, remember, he made the news, I think, a couple years back, wanting to fight in the hallways. And, and it wasn't a couple years back, fights. it was this year. It was against Carl was Roberson. It this year? Yeah. Oh, Roberson. I remember all this controversy in hallways and fighting in the lobby somewhere. And... Well, I spoke yeah. to Vittori about this. Like, the, Vittori like, keeps like a mental inventory of everything. And then if he sees somebody that he has a beef with, he will confront them in person. Like, he's, he's very adamant about confronting people in person. He. And I said, that's kind of a healthy thing, right? Like, instead of having it festering with you, he, he, he makes a point to go and talk to the person and sort it out, which I think is a yeah. healthy way to work things out. I think I heard uh, DC talking about that, how he, Vittori just came up to him and just kind of called him out. But you got to respect that. the way. Daniel yeah, Cormier is a, a monster, right? Like, Daniel Cormier, while he is a nice guy, you know, if, if you cross Daniel Cormier and, and make him make that switch go off, I'm sure you don't want to be in the vicinity yeah. of Daniel Cormier. But, but but as a commentator, that's always annoying. I, I so I yeah, it's happened to you like, before. Ah. Oh, many times, many times. It happens many, many times. Oh, all the time. At one <laughs> point, it's like, oh, you favor this, you favor that. I'm just I'm just trying to. And then if I'm more friends with somebody outside of it, then they think automatically they're going to get more of a favorable, you know, commentary. Maybe I Should don't know. Be the maybe it's human nature. I mean, I try to be extra hard. I mean, even when my guys are fighting and I'm. You know, I just try to just be give the facts. I try my best, anyways. Well, you guys are back soon. When is the next that glory event? In like a couple of weeks, is it not? Uh, yeah, I leave for Jersey um, the 18th. So, how many days out of quarantine are you gonna have? Uh, three days probably, and then I'll go to Jersey for three days, and then do another 14 days here, which means Christmas and New Year's will be spent at the condo. And people can't come to you, right? Because you're apparently in quarantine yes. means you're alone. Huh. Well, that yeah, sounds like so. fun. Yep. That sounds like a great holiday. Well, Joe, if you'd like, I can get my kids to call and sing you Christmas carols sure. if you'd like. There we go. All right. I'm good can, with that. You can feel the spirit. Yeah. The spirit Do you guys uh, send over cookies too? Some spe- cookies? I can send you a postcard. Some we treats. Got, we got postcards uh, that, are, that are going out soon. 
Would you like one? Did, sure. Did you do? Uh, did you guys get like a photographer or get a photographer? Joke. We're in the middle of a of a, of a pandemic here. Yeah, I'm the, they can I'm take the a picture. For, yeah, but from six feet away, they can push the button. You don't have to stand close to the photographer. I'm not hiring any photographer right now. I can take a picture with a phone. The phone. These phones okay. cameras are unbelievable. I'm not trying to dismiss know. photographers, but yeah, well, we're just taking some shots of them, just like you know, being in front of Christmas stuff, and it's just the kids. It's not me and my wife aren't in it or anything. It's just okay. a picture of the kids. Well, when other families send this high resolution quality, you know, photo cards, you might be a little upset. No, I'm not about keeping sure. up with the Joneses. I'm the last guy who wants to do that. I, like, I, <laughs> there's too much pressure in this Good. world already for, for a bunch of things for me to want to have a better card than somebody. I'm not about that okay. life. That's funny. I got one sent actually the other day, and one of the pictures, the family's together, and the other one, they're like spread out six feet apart. I'm like, why do you, the family have to spend six feet apart in the picture? I, think I guess it, they're I think trying to be politically correct. No, now. they're probably just joking. They're probably. It's probably meant in jest. I don't think they're trying to upset you, Joe. Okay. <laughs> well, it worked. It worked. So, it is confusing. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, the family doesn't need to be apart from each other. Yeah. That's like but I, I saw. I saw some people. They they were like there was. A, I think it was one of the governor or the senator of, from New Jersey was you know and there there's strict rules there. He was out on the patio with his family. And this guy, this person comes. Up, Why aren't you wearing masks? Why aren't you wearing masks? He's with his family eating. Nobody eats. Yeah, you don't wear why? a mask when you're eating. And they're outside. They're following all the guidelines that they've set out. They're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of issues coming up. Yeah. <laughs> we got the maskers and the anti-maskers. Wear your mask and don't wear your mask. That's why it's best to just stay at home. Just stay at home. It's there's, easier. There's, it is easier. It's much easier. You don't need to worry about anything. Um, so what else we have on this card? We got Ovin St. Preux against uh, Jamal Hill. I'm surprised that St. Preux is the underdog there, but Hill's undefeated and uh, a solid up-and-coming fighter. Um, that, that's an interesting one. Uh, like I said, I think Jimmy Flick is somebody to watch. He was on the Contender Series, and I, I just love the way that this guy fights. He's, uh, you know, at the flyweight division, he just poses a lot of problems with submissions. In fact, there's some great submission fighters across the board on this card. You got Damon Jackson and his opponent, Ilya Tapuria. Both of them are, are really strong uh, submission grapplers uh, in terms of MMA, Jimmy Flick. Uh, so I'm, I'm eager to see how this, uh, this whole card kind of plays out. And Matt Wyman's still doing his thing. Matt Wyman is still doing his thing. I think it's three fights since the beginning of 2019 after like a four or five year hiatus from the sport. Uh, and Jordan Levitt actually is a great uh, submission submission practitioner in MMA as well. So uh, eager to see that. I, the, the one that I, I'm confused about is like the, the odds of Movsar Evloev against Landwehr, Nate Landwehr. Landwehr is like a plus 460 underdog. It makes no sense to me. Like Landwehr's, mm. a, Landwehr's a really good fighter. And uh, Evloev is a natural bantamweight, moving up to featherweight. Both these guys were champions at M1 Global. And Landwehr's uh, takedown defense has improved. I think that Landwehr is going to give this guy a lot of problems. I, I, I'm shocked that the line is that high. It's actually one of my TSN edge picks for this week. I think that Landwehr, oh. plus 465, is a, has real value. All right. We'll be keeping so get get out your pen. Get out your pen, Joe. That's start, it. Start jotting right this stuff it. down. Yeah, get those parlays stacked up. So uh, on top of Figueredo fighting uh, next weekend, his brother, Francisco for, uh, Figueredo, has signed with the UFC and is uh, fighting oh. on January the 20th, which is a Wednesday. So it looks like the UFC, th that the plan is, and they haven't uh, announced this officially, but the, uh, the plan is that um, they are going to have an event to start the year. January the 16th, I believe it is, is the first fight of the year. Uh, and that card um, is headlined by Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. 
Then January yep. 20th, there's a, a no headliner announced. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Leon Edwards versus Shemaev, uh, but they haven't announced anything yet. And then, uh, the, the, you know, it all culminates with the UFC 257, Poirier versus uh, McGregor in, uh, on Fight Island. So really, really exciting time for uh, the beginning of 2020, or 2021, rather. Let's get rid of 2020. 2020 can go away. Uh, but tw- 2021... Uh, we'll start with a bang, and uh, I know Dana White wants to try to have fans at these events and try to make it International Fight Week. Uh, it seems like time is kind of ticking on making that happen. It's December the third, yeah. but I, you know they're gonna they're gonna try to make that happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I just uh, honestly I think these last two cards are gonna be really stacked up. I think we're in for a, these next two weeks for a nice little treat. Because yeah. I mean, every card from prelims to this main cards is pretty stacked. So. I mean, definitely some good fights to end the year and then to start it with the one I'm most excited for. Yeah, and, and 250, what's the one you're most excited for? The Holloway and Cater? The Holloway Cater yeah, to start the fight. year. Yeah. And, uh, but even like Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy Neil, that's amazing. On the same card, Marlon Marias and Rob Font. And then before that, you have Misha Surkinov fighting, Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera. Like, these are the kind of fight cards we were used to back in the day where they were all stacked. And I mean, I'm, I'm excited for these next two. Really am. Well, looking uh, looking ahead to 256, I mean, let's not forget about Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. I th- that fight to me is just phenomenal. Oh yeah, this, that, and I mean, Charles Oliveira never gets enough credit on the rankings, in my opinion. So, I mean, oh, you mean you mean those... being ranked below Rafael dos Anjos for no reason? Yeah. I'm How do you rank? That's... People are like, but Rafael dos Anjos beat Felder. Who beat Oliveira? So that's why you rank Dos, Dos Anjos is like two and five in the last couple of years. It's his first fight back at lightweight, and he fought a Paul Felder who took the fight on four days' notice. That's not the same as the Paul Felder that beat Oliveira in Detroit uh, two years ago. I think it's actually two years to the day yesterday. But that Felder had a full camp and and beat Charles Oliveira. And and you also, if you're going to make the argument that Charles Oliveira should be ranked below Dos Anjos because Dos Anjos beat Felder who beat Oliveira, why is Oliveira ranked ahead of Felder if if Felder beat Oliveira? So people have these cockamamie arguments that they that they make that just don't make any sense. Yeah, uh, Charles Oliveira in my mind has always been one of the most dangerous fighters in the division. No matter where he's ranked, I mean, you got to look at him as one of the top contenders, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll have to see how he looks, but I uh, I I don't I don't mind his chances against uh against Ola, against Ferguson. What are the odds on that fight? I'm gonna pull that up right now. What would you guess the odds are for that fight? My guess is Ferguson minus one sixty five. Uh, that's a very good guess. I'd probably, I'd probably put Ferguson a little higher. I, I would probably, I don't agree with that, but I just think the way the odds are, I think it'll be like more of a minus 200 All right, let's for Ferguson. See, let's see what we got here. We have got, where's that fight? It's not here. Oh, here it is. Ferguson minus 170. Look at that. I was almost bang on. Oh, damn. In some spots it's minus 165, but yeah, minus 170. Come back on Oliveira plus 150. Yeah. I mean, Oliveira's could do it anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, excited. I'm going to have a feature on uh, Sports Center next week about uh, Charles Oliveira, uh, and it's about how he's my favorite fighter to watch in all of MMA. What's what's your? I, I thought that I, I saw they moved Kevin Holland to uh, to fight Jacare. I think that's a terrible matchup. But for who? I mean, for for Kevin Holland. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I with you. And Jacare's an underdog. Jacare's the underdog in that fight. Really? Yeah. Really. Yeah, plus one forty-five underdog. And I mean, it could be in surreal gone getting a huge opportunity against Junior DeSantos. Yeah. That's yeah. massive. And what's gone like six and zero? Oh? 
I don't even think he has that much ex- MMA yeah, experience. Yeah, I don't think it's that. Mu- yeah, I don't think it's that much. You're you're, you're in the ballpark. Might be six or seven and zero. So regardless, look at look at that huge opportunity for him. Yeah, minus four hundred favorite against Junior Dos Santos. Yeah, that's, that's those insane. are big odds, man. That might might be yeah. worth taking a look at Dos Santos at that price, honestly. Against a former champ like that. Yeah, like, like that's crazy. Those odds are way too long. Crazy. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy odds for next week. Chase Hooper minus four hundred favorite against Peter Barrett plus three twenty five. Uh, I don't know if I agree. I like Chase Hooper a lot, but I don't know if I agree with that. Man, that next week's card's gonna be awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to UFC 256. A lot of just great fights on that card, and um, the the Mackenzie Dern versus Virna Janjajoba fight is uh, interesting too because uh, Janjajoba mostly known for submissions, and of course you're facing Mackenzie Dern, so uh, that's uh, certainly an interesting one. And a uh, new headliner for the December 19th card: Wonder Boy versus Jeff Neal. Yep. That's going to be the last fight of 2020. Nice to bring some positivity to the table to end the year with uh, Wonder Boy. Yeah, always the nicest guy. Yeah, always smiling. It's a good way to end the year with a smile on his face. Although although the best way to end the year, of course, Joe, on New Year's Eve, the Ryzen card with the return of Minowa Man. Okay. (laughs) The Ryzen's back. I heard Ryzen was even interested in Anderson Silva. Yeah, good. Sign them. Yeah, I'll that's watch it. Those Silva. old, those old school, you know, Japan rising okay. cards so here's are, are legendary. If you can do Anderson Silva versus Minowa Man, why would people be against that? Like, why would people not want to see Minowa Man's like forty three or forty four? Make that fight. I would watch Minowa Man versus Anderson Silva. Yeah, I'm alright with it. I think Anderson Silva would destroy Minowa Man, but I mean, you can't just say the guy shouldn't fight. If you're going to be able to find opponents for him that will be interesting fights, do it. Yeah, I think we're going to see Anderson Silva boxing in one of these thriller shows. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. That's because he he's been talking box about boxing. Jr. Exactly. So I think that's where we're going to see him. We'll see him get a nice little payday there. He'll get to move around with Roy Jones or one of these big legendary guys, and I think it would be perfect for him. Yeah. And uh, then we've got we've got two Canadians on that final far, uh, card of the year. Uh, Eamon Zahabi and uh, Misha Zirkinov. So I'm looking forward to seeing how those guys do. Hopefully we can get uh, some Canadians to close out the year with some wins. And what happened? Wasn't Gavin Tucker supposed to fight? Uh, Gavin Tucker is fighting, I believe, next weekend. Yeah, he's on okay. He's on 256 against uh, Billy Quarantillo. Yeah, I'm a big uh, follower of Tucker. I like him. That's going to be a great fight. I, I think Billy Quarantillo is a very, very good fighter. Billy Billy grew up closer to to uh, Toronto than uh, Gavin Tucker did. Okay, he's uh, grew up in Buffalo, New York. Just a, a stone throw away. Yeah, he's frequenting tops friendly markets, uh, hiring Salino and Barnes. You know, all kinds of different uh, stables, eating at Duff's. You know, all of the all of the different things that folks from Buffalo do. <laughs> Gambling on our side of the border. Yeah, coming over gambling, value. drinking, drinking yeah. at age nineteen, coming over to drink. Yeah, couple extra years. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so Billy's got that the whole uh, upstate New York, uh, western New York experience. Uh, all right, Joe. Well, I think uh, I think we've said it all. Is there anything else we haven't touched on uh, in the world of MMA? Oh no, but I think uh, oh Jeff Neal should be watching my video on how to beat Wonder Boy. As uh, I spoke to Pettis, Pettis actually studied that video, by the way, and was watching it on the way to the venue when he fought Wonder Boy. So he said, "I gave him the game plan." to beat wonder boy he wrote it on his instagram with our pictures so that was that video ended up doing really well for him so jeff neal i can watch that video i can flip it to coach safe sayud if you'd like what does that mean well it's it's jeff neal's coach 
Oh, safe Sayud. Okay. Yeah, I can I can okay. flip with the safe. I know Coach Safe pretty well. All right, there you go. All so right. it works for Pettis, could work for him. So let's get it. All right. Poor Wonder Boy is gonna hate me. The nicest guy in the world is gonna hate me because <laughs> I'm just trying to beat him. I that video touch. down, man. I just, the... Everybody's yeah. watching this video. They're breaking the code. I just trying to win fights, man. I actually like his YouTube channel. It's funny. It's nice. So it's, I like his positivity, but <laughs> I want my channel to grow more than yours, buddy. So I'm going to keep using that video. I would pay money to just watch a confrontation between the two of you guys. Not like a fight, <laughs> but just him confronting you about the video. I would love to watch that. Oh, it would be funny. He'd probably be so nice about yeah. it. So friendly. He'd Joe, be I gotta so ask good. you a favor, man. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing but love for Wonder Boy. Even <laughs> though I'd want to low kick him. I yeah. still want to low kick him, but nothing but love. Who are some other karate stance fighters that, that would work out well against? Uh, I don't know. Who else was a karate stance fight? I mean, Sue was a little bit different because he didn't keep his front foot as bladed as a Wonder Boy did. But who else? I mean, I don't know who else uh, has it. I mean, Raymond Daniels Machida? and him are the, the most popular. Yeah, maybe Machida. Machida's fairly flat-footed as well, which is uh, I think would, would probably yeah. help with low kicks doesn't bounce as much, you know, but Machida sits there and every time you come in, he'll throw that punch at you, that rear punch. Yeah. He so, timed no, that really tough. well, actually. As soon as you go to throw that leg kick, he's firing on you. He'll oh, take yeah, the leg kick to land one. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where he's scary. But uh, yeah, I don't know who else that would work on. So oh, yeah. hopefully Wonder Boy keeps fighting and that video keeps getting views. <laughs> but by his opponents. <laughs> there his, you go. The coaches of his opponents. And, and the coaches of his team. Help me out. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, I'll talk to you next okay. week. Uh, thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. Please leave us a review. Uh, you know, I rarely ask for this. I asked for it uh, this yeah. week on the show, and I'm asking for it uh, right now. Uh, I asked for it on the interview show. I should uh, should paraphrase or rephrase rather. Uh, go to iTunes wherever you get this podcast. Give us a four or five star review. I think if it's uh, if it's up to five stars, give us five stars. If it's up to four stars, give us four stars. Just give us a good review because it does does uh, does numbers for the show. And also go to YouTube. Joseph Valtellini, yeah. subscribe. Almost fifty thousand. Let's go. Yeah, should should be there by the end of this week. All right. Well, so until then, keep, you know, keep us updated next week. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug that on my uh, Twitter page. Get get, yep. get you uh, get you some help. I like calling the reinforcements. Let it go. All right, man. Talk to you next week. Okay, we'll see you next week, guys.